folks. Here we are again. Everybody shout, yay! No? Come on, yeah. All right. Just nice to see you here. Nice to see anybody on this wintry day. And if there's anybody looking in on this video, thanks for coming in on this broadcast. And uh, we just pray that uh, you'll uh, get something out of this today. And the Lord will speak to your hearts, speak to every one of our hearts about some particular thing. And uh, that'd, that'd be good. All right, let's just have a little word of prayer first. We'll get going in John chapter 16. But let's pray first. Father, we can give thanks, Lord. Thank you for yourself and thank you for your word, Lord. And help us as we go through it. And look at these things here. Help us to understand the, um, the uh, interpretation and to make application to our own hearts, Lord, We just in our lives. And we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're going through this uh, uh, portion of Scripture. It's a huge, huge... A uh, chunk of scripture, teachings from the Lord Jesus in the upper room. Uh, we, people call it the Last Supper, and they're done with the supper. But he's got a lot of things to say to the disciples because, of course, he's going to go away. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die. It's going to be a, a, a traumatic thing for them. But he's telling them what's going to take place and such. And uh, I'm amazed at the amount of information that's here. Basically, chapters 14 right through to the end of 17. Then they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Amazing, tremendous. But we're going to just continue on. Now, when you read these things, you read them as though it's not. Like we have our chapters. We've mentioned it before. We have our, our chapters and such here. And that's a good thing. It helps us find things and the verses and that. But this is a one continuous teaching here. Uh, we, we finished up uh, chapter 15. And uh, the conversation continues. The conversation continues in chapter 16. Just continues going on. So let's have a look at uh, what's going on here. The Lord, One of the main things the Lord was saying, he was going away and he was going to send a comforter. Okay, And the comforter would come and, and, and do some certain things and, and we'll read about that in, in uh, this chapter so we, if we get that far today. These things have I spoken unto you. These things. Now, notice in this portion of scripture of the next uh, oh... 15 verses or so that the word things is mentioned about eight times. These things is said about five times. It says, these things I told you. These things. These things. These things. These things that he's talked about, about his going away and what's going to happen, how they should behave, what's going to happen to them. And he goes over it again and, and some of the stuff here and he's going to do it from another angle in this portion here. These things have I spoken unto you. But we just stop right there and we... Um, Think of the uh, application just for a moment. These things have I spoken unto you. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing if we today could hear Jesus Christ speaking to us individually as they did? Anybody get it? Yeah, you get it. Of course, we read our Bibles and He'll speak to us. The Spirit of God, is, He's there. He speaks to us and He directs us and such. He says, of these things have I spoken unto you. And we are to search the scriptures and be in them on a daily basis to hear what he says unto us. We need to do that. It's good for us. It strengthens us. It helps us. And it helps those that don't know the Lord. Because it strengthens us and builds us up enough that we want to go and tell them about him. These things have I spoken unto you. What has he said to you? What is God saying to you in these days in your Bible studies? Just something to think about. If you don't get anything else out of this this morning, get that. 
Get that one. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. He says, I've told you these things, I've talked about these things, and show them to you very clearly because they're going to happen. I don't want you to be uh, 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 in shock when these things happen. He goes on to tell them that the, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to put you out of the synagogues and they're going to even kill you. I don't want you to lose faith. I don't want you to get upset. I don't want you to let your heart be troubled. How many times do they say that? And yet here they have, we'll see that their hearts are troubled. These things have been spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Okay, that offended. It's where we get our English word, a scandal. This comes from a, a, a Greek word, scandalon. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. But originally it meant the, um, the bait in a trap. But then it kind of morphed over to the trap itself, used metaphorically of anything that uh, becomes a hindrance to others or causes them to stumble or fall away. Because I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to fall away when these things are going to happen. You know, there are some that preach and teach that um, when you get saved, it's just going to be a wonderful, just a wonderful life. You just have as much money as you need and you, you'll uh, you just pray about that and God's going to give you everything, new everything. And yeah, right. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says that through tribulations shall we enter the kingdom of God. And, and uh, have you found that it's been just a, a just a, a bed of roses? That's a really strange saying. But you know, a bed of roses—it is a bed of roses, isn't it? You know, uh, the Christian life can be very, very difficult and very hard. Eh? Okay, we have enemies all around and such, and the devil and and our old flesh. He says, I don't want you to be discouraged. These things are going to happen. These things are going to take place, and they're going to happen to the disciples, and then we can keep in mind for ourselves through this time, and then getting into the end times, if we are that close or not. A lot of people think that we're very close to the end times. It might be so. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not going to be for 10 years, 100 years. That's, that's up to the Lord. That's up to the Lord Jesus Christ. When he starts opening those seals, then it's going to happen. But certain things have got to be in place. And there's some things that are going to happen in those end times. He says, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be stumbled. I don't want you to be offended. And there are doctrines today that are teaching people wrong things about the end times. Teaching them wrong about the return of the Lord and all that stuff. And those poor people are going to be offended because they're going to think they missed out on something. Well, that's a whole other topic. We've done that a hundred times. Let's get back to this. So he says to them, I've told you these things because I don't want you to be offended. I don't want you to be, uh, I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to fall. I don't want your faith to fail. Because in difficulties and in times of troubles, faith is tested, isn't it? Faith is. Then go to verse 2. It says, they shall put you. Who's they? Now you know here, they is mentioned several times. One, two, three. Uh, them three, four times or more in this little bit right here. They shall put you out of the, those are those that don't believe. He says there's a big difference between you and those that don't believe. Okay? And he's talked to them about this earlier. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Now that word synagogue is the, uh, the uh, word for the Jewish gathering together as we have what we call church. And it doesn't mean the building, the synagogue. We have today people say, well, that's a, that's a Jewish synagogue. No, that's the place where they meet because it means to gather together. Okay, Just like the church means assembly. 
okay, to gather together. Okay, it's not about a building. Anyway, they'll put you out of their assemblies. They'll say, get out of here, we don't want you because you're bringing in different doctrines and such. Isn't it strange that there will be people that, and even today we see that there are people that are so indoctrinated in a particular religion or way or denomination or something that they're not willing to even consider that there might be something else. Consider, uh, I, personally I think there's something wrong with their study in the Word of God. They need to get uh, uh, before the Lord and put aside the books of man and such and, and, and read the scriptures and let the Spirit of God teach you. Then you're going to see something. They shall put you out of the synagogues. You're not going to be part of them. They don't want you. Okay? He says, they persecuted me first, they're going to persecute you. When people get saved, they aren't told that it could be a difficult life and that the world will hate them. Okay? People aren't told that. So everything's going to be rosy and everything. No, it's not. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to have even have some family members against you. They don't understand what you've done. They think you're nuts. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killed, kills you will think that he does that he doeth God's service. Wow. And we see that even today. We see that there are uh, um, religions that can't stand Christianity. In fact, the Christians are being persecuted in countries all around the world today even for their beliefs. And they think they're doing God a favor by getting rid of the Christians and such. They don't understand. He explains why they're doing that. <clears throat> Excuse me. He explains uh, why they're doing that. And these things will they do unto you because one simple thing, they have not known the Father nor me. If you stop and think about all the um, people that were persecuted by, say, the Roman Catholic Church in years gone by and such like that, people were burned at the stake in that. Why did they do that to them? Because those ones that were doing that did not know God, didn't know Him, didn't fear Him, knew nothing about Him. They had their own books and their own doctrines and they thought that's the way to God. That is not the way to God. The scripture is the way to God. Jesus Christ alone is the way to God. And if you go persecuting the Christians, you are persecuting the Lord himself. Read it in Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Paul on the Damascus road, he, he uh, calls down from heaven to Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me, Saul? As he was going about persecuting the believers. Okay? And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Isn't that an amazing thing, eh? They have not known. Verse 4, But these things have I told you that when the time shall come ye may remember that I told you of them. Now, we look at the context here. What's the context? I think the number one, I think there's two things here to look at. The first thing is, I mentioned earlier, there these things. It's mentioned about five times right here in these first four verses. These things. The things uh, that are going to happen. The things and the persecutions and such. Um, when these things happen. You remember that I told you these things. Or we could look at, or maybe it should be as well as, we should look at there are going to be those people. They, they are going to do these things. I, I told you of them. You can take it whichever way you want, or both of them. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but there we are. Something to think about anyways. But these things, I've told you these things. I don't want you to be offended. I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to fall down. I don't want your faith to, to waver. 
So I'm telling you, this is what's, what it's going to be like. This is what's going to happen. Because I'm going away, he says. I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to come and he's going to help you through. Okay? These things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may, rem you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. He says, but I'm going away now. He keeps telling them, I'm going away. There's, he's getting them prepared for his departure. Okay? And he's getting them prepared for the next phase. If you put it that way, that's not the right way to say it. The next thing is going to be the Spirit of God is going to come and indwell. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells you how and when the Spirit of God comes upon an individual. I know the book of Acts says some other things, but you have to remember that in the book of Acts is kind of a transitional book, kind of a transitional time. And the Lord was verifying his word with signs following. When the Apostle Paul would lay his hands on somebody that received the Holy Spirit, okay? That was back then, but in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it tells us what, hap what happens. After that, you believe the word of the truth, the word of your salvation. Okay? After you heard it, you believed and you were sealed. Okay? It's not a time thing, it's a as well, it happens right there. You are sealed. Okay? Some people say, uh, um, I've seen uh, uh, um, doctrinal statements of, of a particular church where they had that they believed that you received the Holy Spirit when you were baptized. I said, well, what about in Acts there, chapter 10, I think it is, uh, it says that uh, when these people believed, and then the Spirit of God came upon them, and then uh, one of them says, see, these, these, ones, uh, these ones need to get baptized as well. So baptism follows after, okay? It's got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit being given, in case some uh, think that. But these things I said unto you at the beginning, because I was with you, the Spirit of God will be with you when you get saved, when you trust in Jesus Christ. He will come and take up residence inside here and guide you and comfort you and teach you and correct you and show you and teach you the scriptures, teach you everything you need to know. And when this old body fails, he's going to take your spirit right into the presence of God. Amen? Isn't that something? That is something. Verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me. He's going to the Father. And none of you ask me, whither, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, these things, uh, these things, he said it several times, these things, these things, these things, these things. How many times does he have to say it? He just goes on and on and on. And we find that for ourselves too. We find it's good for us to go over things to have things repeated to us because we don't get it the first time perhaps so on and so forth they have somebody that perhaps you're witnessing to or something they may not get it the first time they have to keep repeatedly 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 I remember uh, in George Muner's biography in his journals he said something to the effect that there was a fellow that he knew whether it was a friend or an acquaintance or something I can't remember but he prayed for that man for something like 60 years and then he got saved. Well, that's perseverance in prayer, isn't it? Um, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Now, how many times has he said to them, let not your heart be troubled? In fact, one of the first things he taught them at the, at the beginning of all this, back in John chapter 14, at the beginning of that, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? 
these things, uh, I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow, it's a, um, it means a pain of body and mind, a grief, a heaviness, of course, because he's going away. They had such an attachment to the Lord. They had such a love for the Lord. He was everything to them. They saw him. They walked with him. They ate with him. Every day they were with him. Isn't that an amazing thing? We have that too. Although we can't see him physically, we know he's there. You read in your Bible and he guides us and he speaks to us and such. But you keep that in mind as you go through your life that the Lord's there and you bring him. That's not the way to say it, but you know what I mean. Whatever we're doing, wherever I'm going to go, whatever I'm going to do, ask the Lord to bless. Ask him to whatever, you know. Because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He says, I have to tell you. The truth, no matter what your feelings are, sometimes the truth hurts your feelings. Sometimes the, the truth is hard to accept in that every person is a sinner. Everyone's a sinner. And you must believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave himself on the cross of Calvary as a substitute for each person and paid the price of our sins and died on the cross and buried him and rose, he rose from the dead on the third day. Sometimes it's hard to grasp. It's hard to take. It's hard to understand that when you die unsaved, you will go to hell. That's the truth. That's the truth of what God says. Christ came to save you from that. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now he's going to tell, us, tell them about the Holy Spirit and some of the things the Holy Spirit's going to do. So we'll have a look at this from verse 7 to around the end of verse 11 or so. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the truth of God's word went forth from every pulpit in this nation every time they got behind somebody got behind it? Wouldn't that be something? There's so much nonsense out there. Uh, I look through YouTube and pick interesting things out, and sometimes go to some of these church services and that, and it's just as wacky as can be, and it's got nothing to do with God. And yet, you see, there's hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of people there. They're not being told the way of salvation. That's Jesus Christ. Oh, you just live up to the light that you have in this kind of nonsense and garbage. You'll end up in hell. And the ones that are teaching that kind of thing, they're going to have to stand before Jesus Christ as the judge someday and give account for that. Wouldn't that be a scary thing? Wouldn't that be a scary thing? So let's have a look at this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And for us, we need to speak the truth. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Just get it out there. The Word of God is a lion. It'll look after itself. It is expedient. It's advantageous. It's important for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, comforter will not come. Jesus is going to go away and send the Holy Spirit back. Okay? will come unto you. And if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, verse 8. Now there's three things he says here that the Holy Spirit's going to do. Three primary things, I suppose. Could we use that word primary? I don't know if that's the right way to say that. But he mentions three things here. Three important things that the Spirit of God is going to do. And I want you to take note of this. And as Christians we need to take note of it because when we go and talk to somebody, when we uh, teach the word, preach the word, speak the word to anybody, 
there should be these three elements of the, uh, in the gospel as we're presenting it to them, okay? There's three elements here that are very important. He says, um, where are we here? Verse 8, when he has come, he will reprove. Now that word means to convict. He's going to bring that conviction. He's going to reprove them. He's going to prove you. He's going to show you what's wrong. He's going to show you what's right. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin. Now let's just back up for a little minute here. There's two things here we've, I forgot to mention. In verse 7, he's talking about the Lord Jesus was going to go away. He's going to ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit. And he's called the Comforter. This is for believers. For the believers, he's a comforter. He's such a tremendous blessing to us. Do you ever stop and you say, Dear Holy Spirit, dear Lord, I need comfort right now. Yeah, it's real. Do that. That's what he does. Gives us comfort and helps us. But he's saying that's for the believers. Now he's talking about the unbelievers. It's a different thing when he comes. He will reprove them. He'll convict them. Why? Because they're not saved. You've got to understand. You've got to understand. You've got to come under the conviction of your sins. And the Spirit of God will bring the person to that. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness. You could say it like this. You, he's going to reprove the world of sin and reprove the world of righteousness and reprove the world of judgment. There's three things right there, okay, that he's going to do. Those three things. Of sin because they... Believe not on me. Now, I heard a preacher one time, I think it was Willie Mullen, talking about the only sin that will send you to hell is unbelief. It's not believing in Jesus Christ. You may be a, a terrible, terrible sinner, uh, uh, and, and we're not going to mention sins in particular. Uh, there's, there's murder, there's thievery, there's all kinds of things, isn't there? Those aren't necessarily the ones that are going to send you to hell. Don't get me wrong. It's not believing in Jesus Christ. That's the one. That's the sin. That's the big one. That's what the Spirit of God is going to convict you of first and foremost. Any of that other stuff, He'll deal with you. But the first thing that you've got to understand, that anybody's got to understand, is that you're apart from God. You're not going to be with God if you have not believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible is the Word of God. God has said this, this, and this. And it makes perfect sense when you look at it. When you listen to the Spirit of God, it makes perfect sense. We can know and understand. And you know that you have sin in your life. You know that. He says you just have to recognize it and realize it and agree with this. And to see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh in a human uh, body on the cross of Calvary for your sins, paying the price, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You've got wages coming to you. If you're unsaved and listening to this, you've got wages of sin coming to you. You're going to, and that's eternity in the lake of fire. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And when he has come, he will, will prove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come of sin because they believe not on me. For not believing in Jesus is the reason that people are in hell today. For not knowing about Christ, for not accepting Christ. 
What we have in ourselves in the unsafe state, we have within our spirit, within ourselves, we have an absolute rebellion towards God, an absolute dislike towards God. And we can see that in the way people curse. The number one curse word is the name of God, is one of the names, and that's His Son, Jesus Christ. People say, oh my God, all the time. They use Jesus Christ's name and on and on and on. And then they say, holy something else. That should just show you something, that it's a spiritual thing. And that you're under the power of the devil. And your, 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 your spirit is, is uh, um, dead, as it were. He will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they believe not on me. And of righteousness. What righteousness? How many people today in this old world are trying to work their way to heaven? Every religion, every ism, every cult has a works-based system. Oh, they may say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you got to do this. Only biblical Christianity says the way of salvation is believing in Jesus Christ with all your heart and with that is repentance of your sins. You see that. You want to turn from that and you want to turn to the Savior and be saved. Jesus Christ and Him alone. You won't get there on your own righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness are as filthy rags. It is of righteousness because I go to my Father and He see me no more. Okay? We need Christ's righteousness. And basically what takes place when we get saved, He puts a robe of righteousness on us. And that's what the Father sees when He sees us. He doesn't see our old sins, our old state. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. My children, He says. And He will reprove the world of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. The devil's judged already. He's going to go to the lake of fire. Read about it in Revelation chapter 20. That's his destination. And all those that follow him, all of mankind is following him, are under his control. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. Under his control. Under his authority. Your minds are blinded. You can't see. You have to have the Spirit of God to open your understanding. Okay? Judgment. The lake of fire. This is a different thing from hell. Hell is a holding cell today. 2 Peter 2.9 and God knows how to reserve the, uh, God knows how to deliver the righteous or the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to, to be punished. Judgment. Uh, the, all those that, are in, that die unsaved, their spirit will go into hell, that holding cell, then be brought up before the judge, Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 20, read it, and you will be cast into the lake of fire where the devil and his angels are going to go. His judgment is sure as well as any that are under the direction and the deception of the devil. And I will draw your attention to what I just mentioned in 2 Peter 2.9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Now listen to this. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Have you ever made a reservation? You probably have made a reservation. You want to go to this one particular restaurant, we make a reservation there, and you go in there, and you stand there, and you say, yeah, I'm so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, we have a reservation. Oh, yes, here's your spot. Here's your place. It's been held for you. 
This is a special place, a special table, a special chair, and it's just for you. It's not for anybody else. It's reserved for you. God says you have a space that's reserved. And if you're unsaved today, and if you're listening to this, know that you have a space in hell reserved for you. It's got your name on it. That's where you're going to be. Now, how do you get out from that reservation? You don't want to, well, I don't want to go to that, that, that restaurant. You've got to change your, your mind about it. You've got to go somewhere else. To get out of this reservation that you have, you have an appointment with death, and two seconds after you're dead, you're going to be there at your reservation. Okay? You know what a reservation is. It's reserved for you. It's a spot for you. The only way to get out of that is to trust in Jesus Christ. And then you will be going to a different place. A better place. To the unsaved. To the unbelieving. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. God says so. You can scoff at it. You can make fun of it. But it's going to happen. You will close your eyes in death. You will open them up in hell. At your reservation. The place that's been reserved for you. You have a, a reservation in hell. A spot reserved for you for when you die. Your only hope is deliverance. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we preach and when we talk to people and when we, we speak to them, we tell them we, of, of their sin, okay? And we tell them about, you know, you're, everybody's a sinner. We're all sinners. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why God came down to this earth. Because we're sinners. Because He loves us and He cares and He wants to deliver us from it. You have to recognize that thing, that sin. And you have to recognize the righteousness of Christ is what you need. That's the only thing that's going to save you from this reservation that you have, that you're going to you're going to fulfill someday the righteousness of Christ, believing in Him. And then the judgment. People must be told that they're going to go to hell. They have to be told that. Those are the three aspects here of what the Spirit of God will say, the Spirit of God reproving. Okay, you know, so if you're going to be out there and talking to people and such, the Spirit of God's going to speak through you, you're going to mention those three things. People say, well, I don't believe in hell. Sure you do. Yes, you do. You tell people to go there from time to time. <laughs> Don't you? We've done that. People do that. <clears throat> I hope there's some unsaved listening. I really do. But for those that aren't, it's good for us to go over these things and look at these things. We have to present it to them in such a way. I think our time's getting by. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. And I don't think we're going to go any further on that. We'll just look at the, uh, the main things we looked at today. He said, these things, I'm showing you that you not be offended. He says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a tough life. You're going to have a difficult life. He was talking to the uh, disciples back then. That's the interpretation. The application is that for today, people are going to be, uh, uh, believers are going to be persecuted. And when the end times come, they're going to be persecuted for a time. Until he takes them out. These things, and they're going to do these things. They're going to kick you out. They're not going to have you, they don't want to be have you among them. And they're going to kill you. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and He's going to help you through all these things, all the things of life, the good times, the bad times. But for the unsaved, he says, verses 8 to 11. 
Three things. The Spirit of God's going to use you and wants to use your voice to reprove them. Okay? The Spirit of God within us wants to speak out to people. He wants to use your body, your vocal cords to speak to them, and He wants to tell them of their sin, of the righteousness of Christ, and what it means to be saved, and put the fear of God into them when mentioned hell. One preacher says you're going to hold them over, out over hell for a while. Hey, saved is by the skin of your teeth, eh? Anyways, so we look at these things, we see the Lord Jesus, so many things he's bringing to them, but one of the things that we see right here in this is it's getting close to the end of it. At the end of chapter 16 is the end of the instruction and teaching per se, and then chapter 17 is a prayer. Okay, then they're going to sing and then they're going to be gone out. So he's getting to the end of it. We need to go over these things and study them and listen to them. And he talks about the Spirit of Truth and the Comforter. If you're unsaved today, if you're listening to this, and I hope there's somebody somewhere, I hope there is, you go and check it out. You go get a Bible and you read about the Lord Jesus Christ, how much He cares and how much He loves it. He wants you to be saved. Okay? He wants you to be with Him. Don't fulfill that reservation. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for this time that we can look into the Word of God. And we just thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're done for right now. Thank you, folks. Take care now. See you some other time. Bye now.